Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Hey guys, what's up? Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of Served Neat. In today's episode, you'll hear a recent conversation I had with my friend Jordan. Jordan is a marketing strategist and a multi six figure business owner. Jordan rapidly grew her brand, PSW Furnishings, during the pandemic with her partner. They create high end furniture pieces entirely from scratch, from design to delivery. Jordan had a ton of great insights to share about the furniture industry, costs and involved in growing a furniture brand, her biggest wins to date, and why understanding your customer is key. All right, y'all, let's dive into this week's episode. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on Serve Neat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. Well, let's just like dive right into it. So I want to start at the very beginning. Tell us about the early stages of PSW Furnishings and some of your biggest lessons that you've learned along the way. So uh, PSW Furnishings is a family-owned furniture company that I started with my partner in 2020. At that time, I had my own business in marketing. My partner was in trade. Because we were both furloughed at the time, we just kind of came to this conclusion of let's try and start a business together. We were surprised at just how quickly this business took off. It started with family members wanting us to make beds and bunk beds and storage furniture. And it really just took off from there. I love it. Okay, so what lessons have you learned along the way so far? It can be like good, bad, ugly, anything you've learned that my audience would benefit from hearing. Oh, absolutely. So when we started the business, we kind of went in completely blind. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't think I would have it any other way. Because when I look at how far we've came and how much we've learned along the way, it's one of those things where it's scary how much we have grown. And if I had have known that we would have learned so much in such a short period of time, I might not have started the business. When it comes to our business, we do everything. So when it comes to the products, we design and manufacture our own products. We create everything in-house and we also deliver our own products. So we have our hands in like every area of the business from start to finish. Um, You've got to have some like, oh shit moments to share. <laughs> Oh, for sure. So uh, when we first started, uh, we kind of went in just blind to it. We learned a lot of things along the way, especially when it came to, I think the biggest lesson I learned was how to deal with customers that weren't happy or customer complaints. When it's your own business, somebody comes to you and they're not happy with a product. It's so easy to take it personally. And learning that constructive feedback is actually so important for creating a better product. That was a big learning curve 
for myself, learning not to take everything personally and understanding that if you want to have the best product on the market, you have to have that feedback from customers. You have to accept the negative feedback and you have to use that to drive improvements. That's what product development is all about. And as I say, it's really hard when it's your own business not to take it personally. So that's definitely a big learning curve for myself. Okay. It's nice to hear that I'm not the only CEO who has a really hard time with feedback. And I take it personally sometimes, and I know that I shouldn't, but when it's your own business, it doesn't matter if it's a product or a service, or even if you're a little bit further removed from the delivery of the actual service, you still can take it personally. And it's hard. And now I'm in my fifth year of business. I'm still trying to not take feedback personally. And I guess maybe it's a human experience. Just because you have your own business doesn't mean you shed all of your layers of like being a human. So I do think that you're right. It is like a learned process over time. And feedback is so valuable, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you need to know how you can continue to make things better and better and better. And so over time, you're going to get less negative feedback. But I like that you brought that up because it doesn't matter what kind of business you have or where you're at. You're going to have somebody who's not happy with you. Like by default, someone's going to be a little bit not thrilled with the product, the service, you as a founder, whatever it may be, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, all the things. So I appreciate you being really vulnerable with that one because I know a lot of people, a lot of founders like to be like, nope, everything is perfect. I've never had anything terrible happen. It's all (laughs) rainbows and sunshines and unicorns over here. And it's like, well, I know that it's not. Uh, It really hit home for me when I had one customer that came to me with an issue and we fixed it and it was no problem, but she had been sitting on the issue for a while. And I realized that had she not came forward and told us about the problem, we were going to keep replicating that problem and then other customers were going to experience it. So it's better to find out and have a happy customer by the end of it than have somebody silently sitting unhappy with your products and then replicating that problem. You know, you can't fix the problem if you don't know about it and you can't improve the product if you don't have that feedback. And at the end of the day, if we want our businesses to keep growing, we need those repeat customers. We need people happy with the product and we need people to keep coming back to us. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. That was great. So you had mentioned that you run the business with your partner. And I think that that is really interesting. My question for you when it comes to running your business with your partner, how do you balance work with your relationship? Do you decide that, okay, it's five o'clock, we're shutting down the business talk and now we're going to be a couple again? Or does it, do you just integrate it with your life and it's kind of like all business all the time? It's a little bit of both. Sometimes we get very caught up because we love our business. We love our product. We love our customers. Sometimes our day-to-day conversations are about the business. We enjoy it. You know, it's not argument or anything like that. We actually enjoy talking about our business and we enjoy what we do. I think the really important thing for our relationship is that we have very clear, different roles in the business. So we're not really button heads or anything when it comes to who does what. Everyone has really defined roles. And I think that's really important. So for example, if we were both doing marketing, we might follow it a bit more often, but we have our very distinctive roles in the business. But I do always have one day a week where we both take off work and we spend time together. So that's really important for me. And I also have one rule, which I've always had growing up is to always have dinner together. And it's such a small thing, but it's so easy to be like passing chips in the night. And that's something that was instilled in me from when I was a child is always have dinners together. And we get along really well. We do, you know, you always hear people fighting when they're in a business and we don't at all. We 
get along really well and we work well together. We have very different personalities as well. I'm very hot-headed and he's very chill. So it just works. <laughs> I love it. And I think what you had said is important to have very defined roles. So there's no overlap, which is amazing. So thanks for pointing that one out. We're going to go in a different direction here. So new journey, everyone kind of stay with me. Is there anything about the furniture industry that just really surprised you when you got into it? Yeah, when it came to, we're very particular about the products that we make. So a lot of our products are kids furniture. So when we started in this industry, it was really important for me that we did everything by the book. So finding out that there were so many rules and laws and regulations around manufacturing furniture and around just the safety of manufacturing furniture and making sure that you are creating products that are following the rules and regulations that was a steep learning curve for us for sure wow I had no idea I mean yeah. I guess that makes so much sense so thank you for sharing that one you had talked about this in an article I believe a year or two ago and it was really interesting but this is top of mind for me because we were just looking for a piece of furniture yesterday and of course I'm like looking at furniture and I'm thinking of you <laughs> but we were at the store and we were looking at pieces of furniture and I just realized how cheaply made so many pieces of furniture are and like there were furniture pieces that were a thousand dollars that literally were not aligned when you opened yeah. up the cabinets and I was like I cannot believe there's somebody out there who's going to pay a thousand dollars for this and I just blew yeah. my mind so because you are the expert when it comes to quality piece of furniture what should you be looking for it's a really good question when it comes to our furniture the quality of our furniture because it is handmade that is something that I would be looking for something that's handmade and not flat packed so a lot of cheap furniture is flat packed furniture and with our business, we are hand making everything and installing the furniture, putting the furniture together ourselves. So that makes a huge difference in the quality. So a lot of furniture out there, they are trying to make it so that they can just send it to your house and you can put it together yourself. And at the end of the day, the average person purchasing furniture, they don't know how to use power tools. They don't know how to put things together. So they're making things really easy and simple. And sometimes that actually dramatically impacts the quality of the furniture. So I would be looking away from flat pack furniture and more towards small businesses that are hand making their own furniture, carpenters that are hand making furniture. That's where you're going to get the good quality. Yeah, 100%. And I know that like when you're earlier on in your career, you can't exactly drop thousands of dollars on a piece of furniture. But as you progress, as you make more money, as you buy your house, it makes sense to have pieces that are going to last, like pieces that will make it through your entire lifetime piece you can pass down and there's a big movement right now for sustainability yeah. but I don't know if it's quite made it over into the world of furniture but yeah. I really feel like it should and I think it's coming but I like that you touched on that because I think a lot of people like just don't understand the difference between like quality piece and a piece you might get from like Target, Amazon or Walmart so thank you I think for the that. problem is that a lot of people are purchasing furniture that they want to change so furniture has become this really fast paced almost like fast fashion, you know, where people want to change their furniture all the time. And that's where you're getting these companies making really high volume, lower quality furniture, as opposed to someone that wants to buy a piece that's going to last them for 20 years and spending more money on that. So I suppose it, it's to do with the trends in the 
industry as well and how people are purchasing. If you want to purchase a new sofa every year or two, you're probably not going to spend $10,000 on it. You're probably going to go for something that's a little bit more cheap and cheerful. So 100%. Okay, so I have a question for you. Is that more of an American thing where we're constantly like switching out our furniture and pieces around our house? Or does that also happen in Ireland too? Oh, everywhere. It happens everywhere. In fact, I think a lot of people in the United States appreciate good quality furniture. I think it's actually worse over here. Everyone just wants all the cheaper material, cheaper quality furniture, just something that they can purchase quickly and change in a year. Just from what I'm seeing in the industry, I see a lot of people purchasing really high quality, expensive furniture, more so in the United States compared to Ireland. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So what's like the big place to get furniture over there? Is it like Ikea? Ikea. And then there's a place called Yusk, which is similar to Ikea. But if you want the good quality furniture, you're going to a carpenter. So uh, rather than a brand. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Huh. Well, thanks for sharing that one. You may have already answered this in the beginning, maybe not, but what has been your biggest challenge to date with growing the company? When it comes to any product business, uh, capacity is always going to be the biggest challenge. I believe compared to service-based industries, there's a lot that goes into manufacturing a product. You have so many different people that need to be involved in creating the product, manufacturing the product, delivering the product, even marketing and sales. So anytime our business takes the next step, you're looking at hiring another six or seven people. It can be a big step. So that's that's probably been our biggest, not setback, something that has just taken time to grow. Because obviously, if you want to expand your capacity, you need to hire a lot more people, which requires a lot of investing. So for us, we're just constantly reinvesting in the business so that we can keep getting to that next level. If you don't already have a product-based business, understand that it is so expensive to run a product-based business. It is insane. And it's really, really expensive because I know some people might look at the cost of a product, especially a product that is made by a small brand and go, whoa, why is it so much more expensive than like this brand? next to it. And it's because it is so expensive, especially as a small business, right? Because you haven't really reached that scale where you're bringing down the price per unit yet. So the thing we find is after our very first year in business, when we look back at our expenses for the year, we completely repriced all of our products because there are so many hidden expenses that you don't think about or things that you think that doesn't cost much money. But then when it's thousands of those things, it really adds up. So after our first year, we got a good overview of what our expenses actually were and we use that then to reprice our products but it is shocking you don't expect all of these little things to add up but they do okay so for all of my listeners who are a little bit earlier on in their product-based business journey talk about some of those little things to look out for that do add up over time in terms of expenses So it is going to vary depending on the kind of business that you have, because we also do delivery logistics. We had things like maintaining vehicles that we didn't think about that are going to cost money. I'm sure a lot of people will take into account, you know, the expenses of the product, but then they don't take into account things like maybe your electrical bill is going to increase or the rent and rates you're going to have to pay for the warehouses that you're going to use, things like that, that may not seem like a lot of money, but 
then when you take it over a year of a growing business, it's really add up. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So we've talked about some of your challenges. Let's talk about some of your wins. So what has been the biggest win, the most exciting win for the business so far? I think for the first year or two of our business, we were working directly with customers and the business grew very quickly. I think we had six figures in our first six months, which was not expected, but the business grew dramatically. But the biggest win for us has to be in the first two years, we were nominated for a big award and we didn't win, but even just to be nominated was such a huge win because it was an all Ireland handmade business award. Another big win for us was that we started to get these huge connections with interior designers and making these contacts with contractors and builders and having customers tell their builders that they want to work with us. You know, specifically, we want to work with them. We won't accept working with anyone else. That is who we want. So now we have this great list of contractors and developers, interior designers who will just immediately contact us once a customer wants the kind of product that we create. So that has been a huge one for us because it just shows how our reputation has kind of exceeded us. That is so cool. I love that there are people talking about you in such a positive light when you're not in the room. It's great that you have that strong of a reputation. In fact, even for me, most of our customers at this point in time are coming from referrals or they're coming from like VCs that we form relationships with at this point who know that we do good work. And it just is so nice that you don't constantly have to do like outbound, outbound, outbound. Yeah. all the time like there are people who are coming to you who are like oh yeah it's so and so said like x y and z about you yeah. and it just like it feels really good so I love it I love that that's happening for you guys yeah it really validates you too and we're starting to become well known for what we do and well loved and it really validates all the hard work that you've put into it especially when it comes to the product development and it just shows how lucky we are too to have great customers that are constantly referring us to other people and hopefully it just continues to grow from here? Yeah, no, I know it will. I trust that it will. You guys are (laughs) killing it. I know you've talked a lot about customer service. I know that you're still involved in customer service. Tell us a bit more about the value that those customer relationships bring to the business. Is that how you're learning about not only problems with the product, but maybe getting ideas for new products. Maybe you're building up good referrals that way. Like tell us more about what that looks like for you. Oh, absolutely. Our customers really dictate our product development. So anytime we get ideas for new products, it usually comes from discussions that we've had with customers on things that they would like to see. And I think that's really important for any product-based business is be honest with your customers, build a relationship with them and use that feedback to develop your products, right? They will tell you what they want from you or what kind of things they want to see from you. And any time that we've taken feedback from a customer and put it towards developing a new product, it has been incredible for us. You know, our sales have been through the roof and people are telling you exactly what they want from you. And just listening to them has made such an impact on our growth. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for touching on that one. You're always sharing hot takes on social media, and I am so here for it. Can you share something you strongly either disagree with or agree with when it comes to your industry, business, marketing? Like, give us the tea, Jordan. I think when it comes to this industry and even any product-based business in general, and I just touched on this, is how important your customers are. You know, a lot of people don't lean into those customer relationships enough. And 
they think they know better than the customer and they're making decisions based on what they want and what they think. And I think it's really important to listen to the people who are buying your products. One thing I really dislike in this industry right now is I believe a lot of people are not honest with their customers. Uh, they aren't transparent with their customers. For example, I recently bought something online that had a three-day lead time and I've been waiting six weeks. So a lot of people are not open and honest with their delivery times, with their products. And I think that is something that really needs to change. So if you are thinking about growing a product-based business, just operate from this place of honesty and integrity and your business will go far. Ooh, I love that. That was a good one. I saw something else. I'm going to call you out because, you know, I watch you. I stalk you on social media. You know how on Instagram, like the people whose stories you watch the most tend to pop up first. Yeah. You're like one or two always. So if that says anything about how often I watch your stories, there's that. But you had said something recently about how I think it was like your partner ordered something from like a clothing brand or a gym brand. Yes. Yeah. And it like didn't come for years or months. Like it yeah. was just insane. So yeah, that's real. Like companies do that and it's awful and don't do it. If you're listening yeah. or thinking about lying to your customers, don't lie. <laughs> customers don't like it. Starting a product-based business or growing a product-based business, the most important piece of advice you will ever get is do not take on too much. I always say this, I've seen more businesses go bankrupt from taking on too much work that they couldn't manage than not taking on enough work. And I think a lot of people are afraid if I don't take this sale, when's the next sale going to come in? And then they get overwhelmed and burdened down with too much. Only take on as much as you can deliver. And trust me, it's not worth overselling your products. And just having those processes in place to make sure that you are delivering on time, keeping your customers happy and taking on that feedback to improve your product. You will have a really great successful business if you take that advice on board. Yeah, I like that. Uh, this is not on my question list, but I'm being really nosy right now. Well, so I'm just, I'm a curious person because I know how expensive product-based businesses are to run. Have you guys bootstrapped the entire business? Have you guys taken on investors? Will you take on investors in the future? Like talk to me about the money part of the business. Yeah. So we will be taking on investors in the next year or so. Uh, just to get to that next stage. But when we started off, we had one product. We took money we had in our back pocket. We made the product. We took photos in our shed of the product. We went from there. We really did start with as little as we could. And I think a lot of people think that they have to start with this perfect product and this perfect marketing and this perfect website, but start with what you have and grow from there. I mean, our business has grown and gone from strength to strength over the years, but we started with very little. We started with a single product that we paid for out of our own back pocket and it still became successful. So you don't have to be perfect to get started. You don't have to have investors to get started. You can bootstrap. It is hard. There's no point denying that, but you can, and you can have a very successful business at the end of it. Yeah. And I know there's value on both sides, right? If you bootstrap, you own 100% of the business. Uh, if you take out investors, you don't own 100% of the business anymore, but you have more money to kind of play with and grow from yeah. there. So pros and cons to each. So thanks for talking about that one. I'm always really curious how product-based businesses are growing and scaling. So thanks. All right. Last question for you. How can people also stalk you on social media? What can they buy from you? Give us like all the things. So I actually have a program that is for people who are trying to grow a product-based business. It walks you through everything from sourcing to manufacturing 
capturing to logistics. If you are thinking about starting a product-based business this year, you can check it out at profitableproductacademy.com or you can check me out at Jordan Elaine Mentor on Instagram and we can have a chat. Fabulous. And we will link all the things in the show description. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. I love you. I appreciate you. Oh, last thing. Hold on. Wait, I should have brought this up in the beginning. Jordan, I wish you would have talked about your cows. (laughs) Jordan has cows. The cows are in for the winter, so nothing too exciting to report. <laughs> it's cold here. Wait, they're in? What do you mean they're in? Where do they go? They're in the sheds for the winter, and then they, they're outside in the nice warm summer. So it gets really cold here at winter. So they are in their pens. <laughs> Wait, do they get sad? What about no. the sunlight? I'm concerned <laughs> about the cows, Jordan. There is no sunlight here in winter. I swear it's dark from morning, afternoon, evening. It's terrible. Okay, well, walk by the sheds later. Give the cows my love. Send them my love. Give them I will some send you a video. I will send you a video. <laughs> yes, I love the cow videos. All right, that's it. That's the pod. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Neat. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, follow us on Instagram at Nate underscore the agency for even more marketing tips and tricks. Be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Nate. Until then, cheers.